And so I just want to be very blunt this morning. I'm not going to be aggressive. I'm not mad. I'm, I'm not trying to hurt anybody. But sometimes we just need basic truth right in front of us. And here's the truth. Some of you are trying to live God's life, but you're playing let's make a deal. God has offered you everything. He's offered you salvation. He's offered you healing. He's offered you eternity. He's offered you freedom. He has redeemed you. And yet, just like that great game show of of the old days, especially the old, old one with Monty Hall, if you remember back that far, you get this great prize, and then what happens? You've got a choice. Door number one, or door number two, or door number three. And invariably, they take something that had value and they trade it for something that... You want a chicken! And you had to forfeit the $20,000 trip to Cabo and you got a chicken. Even worse, you asked the crowd's opinion. Which door? Which door? And they're all, two, two, great, you got a donkey. I mean, come on. Now, let's put this in real life. Some of you, you know exactly what God's Word says. You know exactly what He wants you to do, but you're playing, let's make a deal. You think, if I just do this, maybe if I forfeit this, I'd like some more choices. And the choices rarely bump you up. The choices almost invariably reduce what's already been gained. And when you ask the crowd who have no investment and don't even know who you are, you are setting your future, you're setting your health, you're setting your spirituality in the hands of strangers instead of the hand of God. And we've got to stop playing let's make a deal. This is not a game that we're doing. This is not something that just, oh, I, I, if some of you, I'll just back it up right here, and this may sound judgmental, but just I'm trying to be blunt. Some of you, this is a game. You're only doing this on Sunday. And that's the problem. If Jesus Christ and how you follow him is only one day a week, it may begin to take root, but it's going to be a long, 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 long process. And you've got to get out of the human thinking, oh, I can just... I can just go on Sunday. I can just pray on Sunday. I can just go and get my thing there, did that checklist on Sunday. And it's got to become something that becomes a lifestyle if you plan for it to actually impact you and it actually begin to work. And that's the problem that I see left and right, regardless of age, is that people try Jesus, but they give him a week. Oh, I went that one Sunday. Yeah, but you've been a mess for 30 years. And yes, he's a miracle-working God. And yes, he's a way-maker. We sang all that, right? But how about you giving away for him to do something in your life? How about you actually doing what you're supposed to do? Nobody's keeping you from reading your Bible. It's not illegal in this country yet. Nobody's keeping you from public worship. Nobody's keeping you from serving. Nobody's doing that but you because you're acting like Peter. And Peter was just a normal guy like you and me. He wasn't retarded. He wasn't really lacking. He just didn't see clearly. He saw what he wanted to see, just like us. And he only wanted to do what he wanted to do, just like us. And so I'm telling you, we've got to stop playing. Let's make a deal. The only thing behind door number one, two, and three is loss and pain. 
Because everything that you need is contained within God's Word. Whether you pray it, whether you read it, whether you believe it or not, it is there for our good. And sometimes it doesn't feel good, but sometimes it's exactly what strengthens us and helps us stick it out the next step that gets us to the place that we need to go. And that's what he's trying to set us up for. But the issue is, we keep trying to say, well, how about if I just, how about if I get another opinion? How about if I, it's not going to work that way. And so look at what John says here in John chapter 10. And John is, again, another regular guy. He's not some super mystical, highly motivated guy. He is just a guy that's been following Jesus. He believes that Jesus loves him. And, and this is a guy that, uh, if you don't know the Bible very well, this was written about 20 to 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is not, it wasn't written as things were happening. It wasn't written 100 years later. It was written within a, a couple decades after they had time to settle down because if you read the book, you find out they were very, very busy and they realized, wow, we need to be able to write this down for people that are the next generation of followers. They're following after us, and we need to know this. And so, so just know this. And, and I want you to see, again, remember, take, peel back the, the human thinking and allow yourself to believe what Jesus is saying right here. John chapter 10, beginning with verse 8, he makes this incredibly broad statement, and here's what he says. Everyone who came before me are thieves and robbers. Speaking of religious people that came, that promised people something, that promised to do something, but couldn't do what he could do. But the sheep did not hear them. And don't take offense this morning. It's a good thing for us. We're the ones that are supposed to be sheep. Okay? Now, I grew up on a farm, and I can tell you this, that sheep aren't that smart. And so regardless of your degree, regardless of what your pedigree is, and you think your IQ is, just realize that compared to God, you're sheep. Okay? You probably would have been offended if he had said pigs, and I believe pigs are actually smarter than sheep, but we just take offense when we, somebody calls us a pig or a cow or something like that. You ever notice that nobody says you're smart as a horse? It doesn't happen, right? Everybody who came before me, so we're going to put this into play this morning. Everybody that's telling you something different than what Jesus says, everybody that's trying to show you a way to get the easy way, everybody that's trying to shortcut you, everybody that's trying to give you some psychobabble, everybody, all of those guys have an edge. They have something that they want for you. At best, they are thieves and robbers, and you should not listen to them. Now you're saying, but wouldn't that include you this morning, Pastor? That's why I'm reading the Word. Okay? And you should be reading it as well. If you've got it on your phone or whatever, however you read it, you need to read it for yourself so that you don't get robbed by pastors, preachers, teachers that don't seem to be going the right way. Look at what he says. I am the door. Look at Anybody that tried to come in another way, they had another motive. I am the door. So this morning, if you want to know how you get to your future, who's the door? Jesus. And for those of you that are, maybe you've been out of church, maybe you're coming back to church, you grew up in church, and that's why you haven't been in church for a long time, I'm just telling you, it's probably because you didn't encounter Jesus, you encountered church people, and we're flawed people, we're imperfect people, and we don't always do what Jesus 
says to do, and we don't always act like Jesus tells us to act. So I'm just telling you, if you'll actually have an encounter with Jesus, this would be a great morning for you to open up the door. Say, Jesus, I want you. I don't, I don't need the church as much as I need you, because if you experience church without Jesus, you've really missed it, <laughs> right? It's like going to T-Mobile and nobody's playing. Oh, I sat in the stadium. It was awesome. I am the door, he says. If, this is a choice, remember? You're thinking, right? Don't just think through human standards. If anyone enters by me through Jesus, he will be, or she, will be saved, and they can go in and out. And how do they go in and out? Through the door, right? Who's the door? Okay? So it's not just sitting in this place. He has this method that he even taught his disciples early on, which is, I'm going to bring you in close to me. We're going to do some teaching, and I'm going to send you out. And then I'm going to bring you back in, and then I'm going to send you out. And then I'm going to bring you back in, and I'm going to send you out. This is church for us. That's why, again, we come on Sunday. We come together. We gather. We encourage each other. We worship. We see and feel the presence of God. And then we go out. And then we come back in. And we go out. And we're like the tide coming in and going out. You can't do it without Jesus, and you can't just stay in a location thinking, oh, I just got to stay here. Our life is supposed to be spent coming and going back and forth. All right? We got that? Simple stuff this morning? If you'll go in and out and you'll find pasture, and so again, remember he's talking about sheep, you'll find a way to live. You'll find your food. You'll find what you need. Sheep need pasture, right? A place where they congregate together like we're doing this morning. A place to eat like hopefully you're doing this morning. A place for us to interact like we're doing this morning. You'll find that. Then he says, the thief, somebody that doesn't come through the door, the thief only comes to steal and to kill, and to destroy. Now, this is in reference back to that first verse in verse 8. Look what he says. Everybody that came in this different way, anybody that tries to do it without me is a thief and a robber. And if you're trying to find your way to heaven, you're trying to find a new life, you're trying to fix your situation, remedy your marriage, change your finances, any of those ways you're trying to do it without him, just understand that there's another process at, at work that's going to try to steal from you. Now, I believe that there's a literal devil. I believe that we have an enemy of our souls and the enemy of men, but I also believe that there's a lot of people around us that help out. <laughs> and the biggest component of that is the person I see in the mirror every day. And the same with you. If we are not completely in with Jesus, any place that's not in with Jesus, the enemy uses and your flesh will use, and you will suffer loss and you'll find that you become a thief and a destroyer and a killer, maybe of your own life, maybe of your finances, maybe of your marriage, maybe of your children, maybe of your character. It's not just some dude in red tights with horns, and the Bible never depicts the devil like that. But we have to understand that there is a devil, but I also believe that I'm not so important that he spends all this time working on me. He just has to make me look at me and want what I want, and I do all that stuff by myself. Okay? Notice what he says. They come to steal, to kill, and destroy. And this isn't always literally. 
It can be spiritually. It can kill your relationships. It can kill your hopes and dreams. You can kill your hopes and dreams by playing let's make a deal. They come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And then he contrasts it. He doesn't want us to think, oh my gosh, so what are we supposed to do? Great, I'm glad you asked. I have come that they, meaning anybody, not just particular people, anybody can have life. And he doesn't just mean converting oxygen into CO2. He means a life that is worth living, something that is a model to other people because even the sinners, even just the destitute down and out that don't care, they have life. Microbes that you can't even see that live inside, they have life. But that's not what he's talking about. They can have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now, the tricky word abundantly is hard because instinctively, especially as Americans, we always think in the positive. When we hear this verse, we think, oh, that means more. That means excess. So, you know, more bills, more health problems, more pain. That's the abundant life he's offering, right? You're going to encounter those things. But what he's saying is, I want you to have life, and some of the, the real way this should be translated is life to the fullest. And that includes him, because without him, you've got a gap. And when you fill everything up in your life through him, then you have life to the fullest. And that's why I say some of you are still playing, let's make a deal, is you know that Jesus wants to fill up the gap in whatever that area is, but you keep playing, let's make a deal, because I don't know if I want to surrender that to him. I don't know if I want to do that right thing. It, it's kind of hard to do that. It may take some discipline to do that. And, and you're wondering, what are we talking about? How about some of you that you lie to yourself and you say, I'm not a good Bible reader. Great. Get the app that reads it to you. What's your excuse now? Uh, I'm not good with money. The Bible tells you how to manage your money. What's your excuse now? I really struggle in relationships. Are you having relationships that are based on Jesus Christ and the person that you respect as a brother or sister of Christ and you're okay with God, first of all, before you bring your mess into somebody else's life? Uh, he wants you to have more than enough, but not material goods. The Bible talks about this clearly. It's not a prosperity gospel that you'll have X amount of extra dollars. It doesn't work that way. That's magic. <laughs> That's voodoo. And you need to run from that stuff. Anybody that tells you, pray this special prayer and such and such can happen, just go, voodoo. Because there's nowhere in God's Word where He says, hey, here's the key to vast amounts of money. In fact, there's a lot of warnings about wanting vast amounts of money because it gets into our hearts. There's a lot of warnings about our relationships, how we treat each other, what type of people we do business with, all of that. And yet we've got to be people that fill the gaps in with His Word, not the crowd and not what's behind door one, two, or three of our choices. The choice is 
You want me? I want to give you life, and I want you to have life to the fullest. Guess what? You're going to experience headaches and arthritis, and that's just part of being human. But guess what? You can still walk through that at the top of spiritual, emotional, uh, relational abundance. Because guess what? It's not about the money. When you die, you can't take it with you. But the life that you live while you're here, surrounded by people, surrounded with respect and character and values, that's what lasts to another generation. Money comes and goes. He wants you to have a great life, not just after you die. He wants you to have a life now. You see, I look around the world, and you probably see this too. We're not getting more and more hopeful. We're not getting more and more stable. We're not getting more and more peaceful. You know why? He wants people like you and me to live such lives that people take notice and say, that guy seems to have problems too, but he doesn't freak out. He doesn't do this and that. He doesn't have to find drugs to to take him away from that. He doesn't have to break up with his wife every other day. He doesn't have to blame his children or his past or his this. And, And if you're a younger person, it's not somebody else's deal to do this for. It's your deal to do this for you. You read God's Word. You lay hold of it. You bring it into your heart, regardless of what the crowd says. Don't let them talk you out of an amazing life. Don't let them talk you out of a character and values and a life that it may be different than what other people are living, but it will be blessed, and it'll be guarded, and it'll be eternal. All the stuff that people think that you're missing, you're not missing anything. But you've got to start to see things through God's point of view instead of merely a human point of view. Well, well, I don't have a nice this or that. Yeah. Neither does most of the world. But you're comparing yourself to somebody. I mean, really? You are not the Kardashians. You are not a professional athlete. Even what they get is stupid. $40 million to throw a ball? Or catch a ball? Think of what we could do with $40 million to change the world. Instead of buying big houses and jets and planes. And Think about this for just a minute. And, and I'm not against football and I'm, I'm not against wealth. God, God blesses people to be wealthy at times. Hopefully they can handle it. I was reading an article about an NFL player that he actually got fined by the league because he showed up to the game and he had a $30,000 watch on and played it in the game. And there's not a, a rule in the NFL against watches per se, but hard objects that could actually hurt somebody if they get hit by it. And I'm thinking, you spent $30,000 on a watch? Does it tell better time than Timex? I mean, for some of you that are older than me, that was your first house. And God does bless people. The question is, can we stay in the blessing or do we find that we begin to hoard it and we short-circuit it? He moves on and he says, I want them to have it. I want them to the fullest. I want them to have it. And, 
And the real issue here is, is why there's this contrast before I move on is he wants to make very clear that if you don't listen to me, you're going to suffer loss, right? All those things to steal, kill, and destroy is loss, right? Whether it's figuratively or spiritually, emotionally, whatever, that it's a loss. And so I think back even to the Old Testament, there's a time where God is bringing out his people and they're in the middle of nowhere, they're complaining and whining, they're normal American people just like you and me, right? And God says, great, I'm going to provide for you. And he provides what the Bible calls as manna, which is kind of a funny name because it really means I don't know. That's what manna means, I don't know. Somebody says, what is it? Because it looked like little frosted flakes and they didn't have frosted flakes yet. So what is it? And the response was, manna. I don't know. So it's called manna, (laughs) okay? And he said, if I'm going to provide this every day, you just take what's needed for your family, bring it in, and you consume it, and it'll be great, and I'll just keep providing it. And then I'll do this really cool thing, is that since you can't work, you can't gather this stuff on the Sabbath, you bring in extra on that day, and then it'll stay for the Sabbath. And they're thinking, this is awesome. But the problem is, people were worried that there wouldn't be enough, and so they brought in extra. Let it sink in for a little bit. They were worried that there wasn't enough and they needed extra. And it stank and it rotted and it was full of worms the next day. Now what's funny is the one that they brought in extra for the Sabbath that was extra, none of that happened. And when I talk about let's make a deal, some of you are doing that very same thing. You're running your filter through what if there's not enough? that's a dangerous place to be if you're going to be a Christian. Let me tell you why. Because whenever you assume that God can't be enough, you will fill the gap with something else that will corrupt. So you're in a relationship where God's not enough for that you and that person. You'll fill it with something else that will either break down the relationship or distance you from God. You've got an insecurity in your life and God's not enough. Pretty soon you'll fill that with something that will lead you away from God or lead you to be destructive. And you'll find that the thief, the killer, the robber, the destroyer, it will begin the process whether you wanted it to or not. But I'm telling you, wherever you're at in your life, wherever there's a spot that God is not enough, you'll fill it with something that will begin to rob from you. Whenever you're wondering why is this so hard and you're trying to refill it with something else, You need the extra money. You need a child. You need a husband. You need a wife. You need a girlfriend. You need a motorcycle. You need esteem. You need that plaque that says that you sold or got or did or wherever you've got that spot where God is not enough and he's the one that brings the abundance, you're setting yourself up to be robbed and and killed and destroyed. And I know that sounds harsh this morning, but it's the truth. And as soon as we can wrap our brains around this, that if God wanted you to have that thing, you would have it. That's the true prosperity gospel, that he won't hold back anything that's good from us. The problem is we want stuff that's not good for us and that we don't need. If you needed it, he would provide it. But the doubt comes in. But what if there's not enough and we'll fill it with something else 
John 11 through 13, look what he says. I don't want you to wrestle with this is really what he's saying. I want you to know that you've got a choice. You can either listen to the thieves, but there's also some other players in here that I want you to be aware of. And it's amazing because if I had written the Bible, I wouldn't have put this in there. I would have just given you one choice. You choose me, period. But God is so good that he actually gives us choices, and he warns us up front. You can make these choices, but if you make these choices, just know. Okay? So this is going to be uh, straight out of God's word, but I'm also going to give you the Tony non-inspired version of this as we go along. Here's what he says. I am the good shepherd. Now, what does a shepherd do? He takes care of sheep. Okay? He doesn't just watch sheep. Right? You can turn on TV and watch sheep, and that doesn't make you a shepherd, right? <laughs> you can go to a petting zoo and look at sheep, and it doesn't make you a shepherd. Shepherds actually take care of sheep. It's important. And the good shepherd, which means that there are other people that aren't so good, gives his life for the sheep. Look, I'm willing to lay my life down so that you, when you think that there's not enough, I fill in the gap. I lay my life down, not just physically where he went to the cross, but just like he asked from us is to lay our life down so that he fills in the gap. The problem is we keep trying to push our life and push our life up and up, and he says crazy things like this. If you want to be the greatest, be a server. That don't make any sense to us, but he fills in the gap. Then there's a hireling, and he contrasts this with a good shepherd, so it's not the same thing. A hireling. Now, I've heard a lot of pastors use this, and a lot of people talk about this in church, that somebody that leaves and comes and goes is a hireling. I'm just telling you, very rarely does a pastor say one place until he dies, and that doesn't make him a hireling. No more than you. Do you consider yourself a hireling at your job? How long have you been at that job? Was there a job before that? And I'm not leaving, so don't read into this, right? But a hireling, look at this, who is not a shepherd. What does a shepherd do? Takes care of the sheep. A hireling who is not a shepherd, one who does not own the sheep. He's got no investment, right? He just gets hired to do it. He sees the wolf coming. And he leaves the sheep, and he flees. Now, this is great to use for leaders, but I'm also telling you this translates to you and me every day. When you don't care about the other sheep, and you flee and you leave, you're a hireling. When you don't care about your life and your kids and this and that, and you decide, I'm going to leave and I'm going to flee, you prove yourself to be a hireling that doesn't care about the sheep. You're somebody that can't get plugged into church. You just come and go as your whim and whenever you have a problem, you are a hireling. But I'm also telling you that can stop today. Decide to fill in God in the gaps and do what he says. You know what he says we should do? Be rooted, be planted. It's good for us to be in the house with each other. It's good for us to be connected. In fact, he talks a lot about not being a loner in the Bible. 
And if you're really going to be a follower of Jesus, how about this single fact? He could have come and done everything on the planet he needed to do by himself. He's God. But he surrounded himself with people all the time. So you've got to stop the excuses and stop the, well, I'm not a people person. Man, it must suck at your job, but you keep going. Unless you're a forest ranger, I guess. How many forest rangers this morning? None. That means you work with people <laughs> every day? Wow. For eight hours? But, you know, I can't go to church for 90 minutes with people. Do you see what I'm talking about? Does that make sense to anybody else? It does if you don't care about the sheep. He sees the wolf coming. Now, why I think this is interesting is I understand some of this, right? I watch nature channels all the time. Most people aren't killed by wolves, maybe a pack of wolves, but it says specifically in this one, it doesn't say wolves, does it? It doesn't say a large mutant pack of wolves comes roaming through, right? It says in sci-fi, it says a wolf. And what does the wolf want to do? Kill the sheep. Is the hireling a sheep? But he sees the wolf and he realizes, I don't get paid for this. I'm just paid to watch sheep. I'm not going to lay down my life for sheep. I'm not going to get up off the rock and save sheep. I'm not even going to get up the energy to run the wolf away because I could. But I see it. Look at this. He leaves the sheep and he flees. And then what happens? The wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. Let's take it out of the church context. Let's take it out of the pastor's context. Let's put it in your hands this morning. When you leave the people that God has put you in place with, you leave them and yourself vulnerable. And it may be hard, and it may not be the best thing that you would love to do, and it may not be what you see other people have, but if God's put you in that place, you need to stay there because that's where he's put you. And as soon as you decide... I'm not sure I want to sit through this. I'm not sure I want to face this trouble. I'm not sure I want to deal with this. You leave yourself and somebody else open to be robbed and killed and destroyed. And it shows that you truly only think about yourself. That's what the hireling mentality is about. More on that later. The hireling flees because he's a hireling. And he doesn't care about the sheep. So we've got a thief, we've got a hireling, and we've got a good shepherd. Those are these three, and there's all of these people right here sitting around us this morning. And maybe you've been any of these, and maybe you're still dealing with this. But wherever you don't allow him to step in, you're allowing there to be a gap where there can be loss and destruction and death. Because we live in America and we're blessed. We have so many distractions. It's easy to fill those gaps with other things. Even, quote, spiritual things that aren't God things. And I'm telling you, spiritual things are not the match for God things. God's presence 
fixes, changes everything. Spiritual things may or may not. What you need is more of God that fills in the gaps and less of the distractions, less of the time wasters, less of the things that are robbing you of the full life. And no, I'm not promising you a million bucks and a big house and a nice car or a steady job. You know what I'm promising you? A life where you will look back and say, I have no regrets. A life where I can look back and say, I can sleep with my conscience clear because I know who I am, I held to my values, and I'm that person, whether I'm out on Tuesday or I'm in the church on Sunday. I'm that person. I'm that person all the time. I'm not faking anything. And God has led me through this process because I didn't start at that process. And you can be a humble person, but also a person that has your own security because you know God's got your back and He fills in the gaps. But whenever somebody else fills in the gaps, be it the crowd or you, you won't have security. You just won't because you can't do what God can do. You can't keep your job. You can only keep your job until the company tanks. You can only keep your job until an injury happens. You can only, but God can sustain you through anything. But you've got to trust Him to do that. So here's how to have Tony's version of the abundant life. You can have the thief life. And we've all met these people. These are the people that it's always take, take, take. And they're operating out of a deficit. What if there's not enough? What if, what if there's not enough money to retire? What if my wife can't do what I need her to do? What if my husband just isn't that Hallmark guy? Well, ladies, he ain't. And even the Hallmark guy isn't the guy. He's an actor. But the same reason that men watch porn because there's a gap, the same reason that people steal or cheat on their jobs, the same reason that Students, if you're a student here, that you align yourself with certain people that seem popular, even though on the outside you're saying, yeah, that's cool, but on the inside you're like, I'm not so sure. It's insecurity, and it's a spot where God needs to fill in the gap. And for those of you in a relationship, let me tell you this so that you'll have healthy ones. There are parts of the relationship that only God can fill. My wife cannot fulfill my every happiness. That's why we have a Savior. I cannot be God for my wife. That's why there's God. I have parts to play as a husband. I have roles. I have responsibilities and duties. But I cannot be God for her or to her or I begin to ruin the relationship. If she needs a Savior, we need to point her to God me, not to a person, not to a pal, not to a, anybody else. But this type of a life is always based out of a deficit. What if there's not? What if she can't? What if he won't? What if, what if there's not enough? And that's the thief that's always trying to take. And then there's the hireling life, which is the duty life. And there's people sitting here this morning. You're a duty Christian. You're here on Sunday, and you're going to be here every Sunday, but you don't care about the sheep. You've never served. You rarely get inconvenienced. You don't pray for them. You don't pray for the church. You don't pray for anybody. You just come and do because this is what you got to do to make it to heaven. And I'm telling you, you may find when you get to heaven that God has a different point of view than you. 
Because there was a lot of people in the Old Testament and the New Testament that talked about God a lot and they were religious and they performed out of duty and God said, that's not it. That's not what this is about. But their whole thought process is, what's in it for me? And you've probably been in relationship with people like that, what's in it for me? <laughs> and it's amazing that pretty soon you realize, this is a bad relationship. It's all about them taking and me giving. And if you're that kind of person this morning, maybe you don't even know that you are, the best way to find out is ask some people. Now you've got to have your heart ready. <laughs> and the best way to know is that if you ask somebody, hey, would you say that I'm a taker and there's a long pause? They answered your question and they're just nice people. Okay? Through the power of Jesus Christ, and how he renews us and restores us. Don't feel guilty. Guilt never changes anything. And don't feel hopeless. Take hope that he comes in and wants to fill in the gap. All you got to do is invite him in. And say something easy like this. Lord, in all these areas where I'm messing things up, would you step in and show me what to do and what not to do? And you'll start a process where he begins to work like that. And then we've got the good shepherd. And and I've met some good shepherds, and, and these are the people that, they relate to people I desire. They're, they're so full that they've got enough. They're so full that they're ready to sacrifice and love no matter what. They're always thinking about your good in the future. They're always thinking about this would be good for them, and they're willing to take the time, and they're willing to say the words, and they're willing to listen, and they're willing to forgive. And this is somebody that actually builds our life. This is somebody that we really want in our life, but it makes it difficult because they tend to make us feel awkward. Because we don't really know where to put them. They're, they're so kind and generous, and, and yet they... Man, they, they always show up at right, just the right time and they never ask things of me and they never force their way into my life and, and I can never repay them. And that makes it hard when I can't pay them back. And sometimes a good shepherd just seems like a person that they've never said it and they really don't act like it, but in your, in your spot of insecurities you think they're better than me. And it's true for the moment. We're all in a process of transformation. But nothing's keeping you from being that type of person. Nothing's keeping you from being a good shepherd to the people around you. Did you know that? Nothing's keeping you from being the most faithful husband, wife, son, daughter, worker, whatever. Nothing's keeping you from being the most spiritual person in the room except you and your gaps. So here's the key to abundance. Like I said, blunt this morning, and if it hurts you, I'm, I'm sorry, that's not my intent, but you need to know the truth, and here's the truth. It's not the absence of pain or problems or your past or your people that leads to abundance. Everybody's got those things in their life. <laughs> Jesus had those things in his life. But it's trusting God to be enough. And that's what's hard. It's us deciding, when I want more than I see, what am I going to fill it with? Who am I going to run to? What am I going to do with this? Am I going to fill it with drugs? Am I going to fill it with sex? Am I going to fill it with cheating? Am I going to fill it with lies? Am I going to fill it with fill in the blank? And whenever it's not God, you're setting yourself up and whoever you're involved with 
for pain and problems and situations. In every part of your life, in your mind, when you begin to think that maybe you're not good enough, you fill that gap with God and He reminds you that you are more than a conqueror, that you have been handcrafted, that you are His precious child that He's called His own, that you are a child. I mean, this is what He says. But you've got to trust Him with that. In your emotions, when you feel like you're destitute and you feel like there's, there's no hope, uh, uh, you don't have to give in to depression. You don't have to give in to the darkness. You fill in the gap with God. And he says crazy things like this. You can exchange your mourning for dancing. You can exchange your sadness, your tears for rejoicing. I mean, think about this. There's a transaction that takes place here, but you've got to not play let's make a deal. You're just going to say, I'm going to take his deal. I want the abundant life. Your money. You know what you need to do. Quit resisting. Quit playing. Let's make a deal. In your relationships, the same way. Whether you've got children that you, that you desperately want and don't have yet, fill that gap with God. If he wanted you to have it, you'd have it now. Maybe you don't need it to survive. Maybe you've got children you don't even want because they're teenagers now. I don't know, but just realize they are a blessing from God whether you see it or not. Your school, your job, your family, your future, or the lack of any of these things. You don't have a job. Well, God, keep trusting. Step into the area where he asks you to follow him. But the biggest one is trust because I believe that we've got the answers right here. The question is, are you, do you care enough to actually dig them out? Because some of those questions come up, right? How come God, well, let me ask you this. How come God, if he really loves his people, how come we haven't all won the lottery? Because it's not about the money. And if God really loves his people, how come, how come there's disease and death? Because those are temporary, <laughs> just like money. So we've got to stop looking at things in a merely human point of view and see that he is working on our behalf using both good and our bad and everything in between to move us into a place where we can have a life to the fullest. Because I'm telling you, I don't know where you've been, but I know where I've been and all the insecurities and stuff that I'm still working through. I can tell you this. You don't know how much time and energy and tears and money and uh, emotion and waste went into trying to fill something on my own that couldn't be filled. And I don't have a big house and I don't have a new car and I don't have a place in Cabo to retire to, but you know what? I have great kids and grandkids. I've got a great church. I've got God. And when the time comes, I'm going to trust him to fill in whatever gaps are there. It's not easy, but I wrote that check out to him a long time ago where it's a blank check. Whatever you need, it's yours. Whatever you ask for, I'm going to trust you. And it's not easy, but it is what brings a full life. And so if I die tomorrow, I won't have regrets. 
My previous life, that was before I knew God. I, I just racked it up to stupidity. But my life now, the good, the bad, everything in between, God has worked in all of it, just like he has in you. And you've got to stop filling those gaps with things of this world and playing let's make a deal because you're going to lose. You're going to lose that deal. 